Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by Mother Teresa who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. Hello and welcome back to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I'm Leah Darrow. I'm your host. And today we are talking all things, well, maybe not all things, but some of the things regarding coronavirus. I know. And you just might be like, you know what? I just can't handle this. I hear it all the time. But I'm hoping that today I'm going to bring you a different perspective or at least one that you haven't heard yet from somebody. Um, And that is I'm bringing on my husband, Ricky. Ricky, how are you doing there? I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. Fantastic. Uh, Maybe you've heard the other episodes we've had Ricky on this podcast. And if you uh, know anything about him, then um, this will be old hat here for you. But if you don't, you don't know much about my husband, Ricky. He's a lot of things, obviously. He's my husband. He's uh, dad to our kids. We got five kiddos now. Um, they're all upstairs sleeping right now. So hopefully they stay asleep. Ricky also is a special forces green beret medic, and he is a, uh, uh, firefighter here in the St. Louis area. So his perspective, um, I always find unique and refreshing because Ricky seems to know a lot about a lot of a lot about a lot of things and i can say as we were as before this uh coronavirus hit the united states about probably almost 2 months prior almost 2 months prior ricky was talking about it to me and he was like listen we are going to costco and we are we are getting <laughs> a whole bunch of rice and i'm like what? what are you talking about? Like, we're fine. And he's like, Leah, listen to me. And I just thought, oh boy. Ricky kind of gets a certain look. And I'm sure if you're married, you understand this. Your spouse will give you a look. They have it. They have a tone. And once they reach that point, you know, you just have to like go with the flow. And that's what we did. Ricky, we, we took all the kids and we got two massive carts. We went to Costco and we were out there just, uh, we, we, it looked like we thought the end of the world was happening like in a couple hours. Um, however, Ricky, do you remember when we were shopping, there was the other couple and they're doing the same thing we were doing? Yeah. Yeah. And what were they wearing? What were they wearing? I don't remember. Mask. Oh yeah, they were wearing masks. They were they were from looked like they were from Asia. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, let's just there's there there's a lot. I mean, and not no one is saying that Ricky or myself are like the experts on coronavirus here. That's not what we're doing. Not an expert. No. <laughs> if you Definitely not an expert. But but Ricky, you do have an interesting perspective and a background that lends itself to understanding I don't know, situations like these when they do come up. Um, so tell me, like, why did you pay attention to this a couple months ago? That, like, what was it that that really clued you into, like, this is going to be a problem and we need to do something now? Let me think about that. So I would say the first time I really thought about it was watching... Um, 
some of the some of the what what we would call whistleblowers now coming out of China on YouTube um, that were talking about the virus and then they suddenly disappeared. And um, especially that last doctor who um, I believe he was a ophthalmologist or something, Doctor Lee. Um, was he the I'm, younger one, like yeah. in his mid thirties? Yeah, he was in mid thirties, and he came out and saw that um, the virus was uh, very similar to SARS, hmm. and that it was, uh, you know, people were dying from it in the hospital. And so he was one of the first people to sort of warn um, the Chinese government about uh, the disease um, or the illness, and, and he was subsequently told to be quiet and mm-hmm. then he was also the one that you know um was on a like was on oxygen and was sweating and was doing his uh interview or youtube video and then i think he did his last interview via chat if i'm not mistaken uh and then he saw, and he died after that so really sad but when I, I i saw that and that's sort of what that was what sort of initially piqued my interest and so then from there i just started reading what I could from medical journals about, which, which there wasn't much at the time, but, um, the who had a few things. And I think, I think at least early on, I I remember reading the new England journal of medicine, the Lancet, um, a lot of, a lot of stuff from the who, and that, that initially sort of what's, was what got me going. And I mean, like I said, I'm definitely not an expert. I mean, I don't think you have to be an expert to read, all I did was read some journals and read some reports. And then from there, you know, information, um, the information's there. It's just whether or not we have the ability to read it and then actually think about it in a way that most of the time people, most of the time people may just, nobody wants to look at bad news, obviously. And um, especially and there's a lot across of bad the news world. in the world. Right. There's so much. Right. And so, and a lot of these things are, blown way out of proportion. Um, and I, I, you know, to be quite honest, initially I, I thought it was a pretty nasty bug. I mean, but, uh, I, I was like, yeah, it, it, no way it can make it here. Well, no I rem- way it can make it here. But- I remember you telling me, and this is definitely at this point, I me mean, at this point we are recording this podcast. What, um, uh, this is March 25th. We're recording this podcast. Uh, in the basement here downstairs yeah. late at night. Um, so it was definite, definitely a month ago, for sure, at least. Oh, I think it was it's more actually, than a month ago. Well, yeah, I know, but hold on, I'm going to tell this one, one part, this oh, one story. Okay. I remember you showing me something, yeah, definitely like a month and a half ago, of a video. Um, th- and I don't know what you were accessing. I don't know if you were like on a private um, special forces group page on Facebook or something. I don't know. But... Y- it was a video of somebody in China, um, which I know now. I think you can you can find find these, unfortunately, but these videos of the government, I guess, welding their doors shut. Yeah, yeah, and so, and the people who lived in this apartment were like taking video when they were posting it before it got taken down. Right, um, and somehow. You had we. I think that stuff's been common throughout, and and, and you got to you got to be careful what you watch because some of that stuff's pretty can get. You don't want you don't want to get driven into hysteria, you know. Um, but the fact is, China is a communist country. It's a totalitarian regime, and the way that they were were reacting to this virus, 
at least amongst me and my army buddies when we were talking about it, was we knew at least um, that it had to be significant because for the Chinese to react this way and for them to just um, knowingly do this when they knew that this stuff was going to get out on YouTube, was going to get out on video because uh, everybody has a cell phone these days, um, they were reacting in a pretty dramatic way. And that's a tip that this is bad. So at least, and, and then it just, you know, it started to escalate in China and you start to see some of the, some of the issues with the particular virus. And this isn't, this is all old hat now, mm-hmm. but it's highly transmissible. And it's, um, and I think that's, and it's obviously new, which are the two biggest factors is that you can't, it's everyone, no one's, no one's got immunity to it and it's extremely contagious, right. which is why it's traveling the world. And and that's, those are some great key reasons of why it's different than the flu. Yeah. I mean, well, just the fact that it's new and we're, and no one's been exposed to it. That's the big one. That's the big one. People it's, yeah. I mean, the symptoms are like the flu, but the difference between this virus and the flu is that everyone's had the flu. (laughs) So you've got a lot of natural herd immunity. And, um, so you're not going to get overwhelmed all at once. Your, the flu. your like a country body, or a city system. isn't going to get overwhelmed by oh, okay. a flu, unless it's a new flu, unless it's something novel like like this virus um, that no one has immunity to or that no one um, is susceptible to. Um, what? So l- let me let me move the conversation to this. Um, what are you seeing um, from your perspective as a firefighter? So you go on shift and um, you're a paramedic firefighter, which most firefighters are now. And you are going out, you're helping sick people, possibly being exposed. Those are things I don't like, obviously. Um, but, but what are you seeing um, there? I mean, do you see people when you go and take calls, are people pretty nervous? Or do you think people are like not taking it as seriously as maybe that they should? What do you see from that perspective? You mean like the general public? Sure, the people you serve in your area. Um I mean, it's pretty slow right now because everyone's kind of hunkering down and I've only been on, um, you know, let's, let's, let's start here to St. Louis. We're in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very fortunate that we live in the middle of the country in a minor metropolitan area. So we are nowhere near the level of, um, spread that say like New York or Washington is right. Or even like Louisiana where, you know, where I'm, where me, where our, my family's from, mm-hmm. um, California. So yeah. I think, um, for the most part, I, I mean, I, I don't see anybody walking around in masks or anything around St. Louis or anything. If, um, I think people in general are, are being pretty obedient, um, to the local governments, the state and local governments, um, and I think those governments are responding appropriately based on what they're seeing in other countries and also what they're seeing on the East and West coast right now. So, uh, we, you know, thankfully St. Louis hasn't got hit yet, but it's not to say that it's not here. It is here. Um, the cases are, um, obviously increasing as testing increases, but, uh, I don't think, uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really. I'm not seeing as many people right now, so not yet. I least. would say, yeah, yeah. And for the last couple of weeks, I mean, people in our community, people that you know, friends and ours that we've spoken, even some of our family, for the last couple of weeks, with the exception of maybe last week, 
Mm-hmm. Um, no one's been really tracking this thing, and no one's really considered it to be a threat, and no one's really, um, I should say, not no one, but generally, are, generally speaking. speaking, the general public, at least in this area, isn't too concerned about it. At least it hasn't been up until like last week. So obviously, the the fire department's preparing for um, the situation. The county's preparing for the situation, and um, you know, even at the department, amongst the guys, just talking around. I mean. Up until last week, I think no one really was too concerned about it. I think a, a lot of guys had a little bit of a a moment when we, when we went back to shift and there's no food to go, you know, we go out to get groceries every cycle and it's, it's hard to find groceries. I think that was kind of like a, oh, wow, people are starting to, you know, panic. Um, so, uh, but I mean, you know, I, I think in general, the firefighter community and the paramedic community is obviously very prepared. We're, we're as prepared as we can be. And we're continuing to learn from it and, and get more prepared moving forward. So, Well, talking about being prepared, before I, I, I'd like to ask you some questions um, outside of the the natural side of the coronavirus, right? But before before we leave this just yet, what could you... I mean, Ricky, you prepared us. I mean, okay, I'm sure people know if they if they follow me on Instagram that (laughs) that I am married to a little bit of a prepper I mean you like to prep for a variety of different things that could happen in the world and I guess I I don't know if you knew exactly this was coming down the pipeline but you just always prep for something where if we couldn't get food or water what would we do so we've had some stuff and you read some signs in advance and so you've taken care of us and I'm very thankful for that but for those who are just now getting on that train so to speak of like I need to get myself prepared in case this gets a little bit worse before it gets better what would you advise like what would you suggest are the things that like bare minimum they would need and they that they need to get um well you know I think um at this point obviously there's not you can't do what we would call you can't do prepping at this point it's a little late right and so just just so for those who aren't familiar preppers obviously prepare for all sorts of crazy disasters whether it be hurricanes or famines or you know there's locusts in Africa right now i mean there's there's just all kinds of stuff and so traditionally um preppers would be prepared for all that sort of thing and um my community and and SF um the army special forces community there's a lot of guys that prepare and just that's just kind of part of our nature we're always looking at contingency plans um, for situations. So, you know, most of my buddies have at least for the last, since I've known them, since I've been in SF since like 2006, um, I've always had about a three month supply of food for myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, that food, that food supply was still in our basement, as you know, Yes. um, which would have, <laughs> which would, which would be good for one person for a while. But I, I quickly realized, oh, I've got five kids now. I need to up the ante on this situation. So we went and got some stuff, but for the person who is like, ah, I'm not a prepper and um, look, let me just say this. You live in the United States of America. There is no country in the world that uh, could weather something like this um, better than us. So we have the infrastructure. We have the medical system. We have um, just a sheer number of people. Uh, the geography we're you know across the world from it and we're pretty spread out like if you're not living in a big city you're doing pretty good right now so um and as the big cities sort of 
take the brunt of this, I think the rest of the country is going to wake up and realize they have to start following what the CDC says. So in terms of social distancing, but as far as what you can do at this point, I mean, I think the best thing for you to do at this point is just, um, you know, get what you need. And, um, as you go to the store, um, if you can get a little bit extra, great. If you can't, or if there's just, if the food's still scarce, then don't because everyone needs to get food. So you, it's not the time to be a prepper at this point. Um, it's, it's the time to sort of, um, um, you can like, I guess you could be thinking about if you're, if you're concerned for the next few months, if you think like, you know, you, you need to start thinking about food for the next few months, it's springtime. So maybe grow a little garden just to supplement some food over the next uh, couple months, maybe get some chickens, you know, laying eggs. I mean, there's, if, if people have the space for that, they have, yeah. to, you have to obviously yeah. have assuming like you got, a yard. Assuming you have a little bit of a, <laughs> a place where it gets sunlight and you can, people are going to have their garden. apartments, but chickens. I mean, at this point you're not, you know, it, it, not everybody's, not everybody's got that temperament and that personality type where they want to be preppers. Right. So at this point, look, well, not necessarily to be a prepper. I guess I was just thinking like if like, but, but what should, if they haven't thought about anything beyond like next week, type of a thing what yeah, should they I mean, be doing in terms of food there's not much you can do just go just relax there's plenty of food rice and beans there's plenty <laughs> you're not you can't get rice <laughs> and beans right now like it's too late like if if people go to the store they probably have already looked and have gone like by the time they're listening to this we're already way into this now so um you can't get bulk rice and beans right now it's just you can't so um that's over so so don't like just get what you need fill your fridge if you can get a little bit of extra meat, you got a little bit of freezer space, get it. But at this point, um, you're not going to be able to get three months worth of food. Right. You just yeah. can't. So I, so there's no sense in worry about it. And preppers are naturally overzealous about this stuff. So just because you didn't prep doesn't mean you're not prepared. Okay. So um, because in the sense that we're not in a situation right now where we're out of food, like you know, the preppers win there. They, they always win for that stuff. They're, they're having their moment. So, um, but the vast majority <laughs> of us haven't prepped. And um, so we're going to have to rely on each other. We're going to have to rely on our neighbors. We have to rely on family. We're going to have to rely on our government, at least right now. Um, and and so, like I said, that it, there's no better place to be as far as a country goes in regards to that. So you, I don't want people to, to worry and freak out. Um your listeners to worry and, fl- and freak out. Um, I think what you can do, other things you could be thinking about, um, I, you know, if you have older relatives, if you have older parents that are like 65 and up, um, you may want to have start having conversations with them about if they haven't already started to take this serious. I think that's the most important thing you can do to prepare right now is making sure your family and friends are taking this serious, especially your family, especially your older family. Yeah. And social isolation, right? Like actually staying home. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, seems obvious, but it's clearly not obvious. It's hard. Okay. It's, it's just very difficult. Okay. I think that objectively it's not hard. It is not hard as an American, generally speaking, for us to stay in our relatively, generally speaking, comfortable homes that most have internet. Okay. Assuming you can work from home. And assuming you're not, 
you know, you haven't lost your job and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I think you, I think it's easy, but I don't think that's the case for most people. I think there's going to be a lot of people listening right now that can't stay home. I think there's a lot of people that if they stayed home, they wouldn't have a paycheck. So, um, no, I don't think it's easy. I, I would say that's, you know, I think if you can, you should, especially young people. Um, let me, let me go back to something though. If, cause I want to make sure this, you should be talking to your older relatives about this. Um, if you have parents that are still alive and they're older, especially us millennials, um, or Gen X, you should definitely be talking to your parents about this. And you should also maybe if they're willing and if it's appropriate, have a conversation about sort of end of life decisions. Like a will? Do they have a will? Right. Have a stuff? The simple the simplest thing is, hey mom, hey dad, do you have a will? Hey mom, hey dad, have you thought about what, you know, regardless of the coronavirus, it's something they should be thinking about anyway at this point in their lives. Um, and it's something as children, we should be having a conversation with them eventually um, about these things so that we know what they want if, God forbid, something were to happen to them. Whether it be a car wreck, whether it be a heart attack, whether it be the coronavirus, you know, when you start getting 60 and up, 70 and up, 80 and up, um, there's, it's the time to start thinking about these things. Like, you know, what kind of a funeral do you want? Where do you want to be buried? You know, um, that sort of thing. Those are the sort of conversations. So this is an opportune time to talk about those things and not to be scary talking about them, but they're just things that we as human beings and as adults, these are adult conversations. So it's part of adulting. At some point, you're going to have to have conversations with your mom and dad about, you know, what you want, what they want to do when eventually the last things take place. Um, and it's so it's also an appropriate time to, as um, parents of kids like you and I, um, to, to sort of review what we have in our will and sort of go over things like life insurance and these sorts of things. And these are, these are very, these can be very um, unsettling topics, but these are things that if you want to prepare, like those are the most basic things you have to do is it, do you have life insurance? You know, do you have a will mm -hmm. that, that that's like two things that somebody mm -hmm. can do that doesn't take any prepping whatsoever. It doesn't take like, you know, storing food and all this other stuff that um, people are worried about it. I think, but but you're right. Those are like the essential bare bones things that we have to consider when you're that, and we all are going to have to face that at some point. You know, with somebody very close to us dying, a spouse or a parent or whatever it is, and then obviously at some point us. Um, right. And let me say this: it's not. I'm not saying that because we're in a situation where everyone's going to die. Right. Right. Like this is not the end of the world. But these are just adult things that we have to do right. at some point. Well, and, and there is a pandemic taking place. Right. So there are a, there is a vulnerable population and the vulnerable population, the very vulnerable population is 80 plus. And then after that, it's like 70 plus and then 60 plus. And you start to see the trend down. Um, but. So let's not say, you know, these are things that every adult should should have a conversation about it just so happens there's a pandemic it just so happens people are like prepping and worried about these things and so if you are worried and you're sitting there like what should i do that's one like number one you should do do if you have kids write out a will mm -hmm. go to legalzoom.com and you know print up a will if you don't you know if you have a lawyer friend have them have them do it for you mm -hmm. save some money um you could actually probably do it yourself too if you just you know look up the laws in your state and if you if you're willing and you got time which you might have a lot of time now. There, there's definitely DIY wills you can do. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. But a, a main thing is that you know, even we're talking about this stuff, and this is a lot of it's old hat. This isn't new. We're not experts, but the the most basic things you should be doing is 
obviously making sure you can square your job away to work at home if you can. Um, if you have kids, get a last will and testament for you and your spouse. Make sure you have you know enough life insurance. Um, talk to your parents about end of life issues, and that's like the basics. I mean, if you're if you're not worried about a job, and if you're worried about your work, that's a whole other level of right. concern at this point. They're probably not even listening to this podcast. These are, you know, <laughs> too worried about um, it. Too worried totally about understand. that. And yeah. Out, yes. So it's and that's the, that's where a lot of people are, obviously, because the economy and what's happening with a lot of the shelter in place now. Yeah, I think I think the big thing right now is, um, aside from the impact psychologically and and people, you know, on people, and then the impact on people's health um, is the economic impact, and that's what everybody's talking about right now. So, um, well, let's talk about the spiritual impact. The spiritual impact. There are yeah. There's plenty of there's plenty of people that are much smarter than me talking about all the. And much smarter than us, I should say, talking about all the, you know... Um, Thank you for including me in that. Everything about <laughs> coronavirus. There's, a, there's enough news and enough <laughs> medical journals and the CDC. And the, Absolutely. There's enough, there's enough stuff going around and you can read prepper blogs and whatnot, but... Yeah. That's all... Um, this is all old. We will, we will just leave that there. So let, let's go on to... Um, Ricky, do you think God is smiting us? <laughs> calling on all of my lady friends right here. If you are looking for community in a place that is private and off social media, if you're wanting to go deeper in your faith, but you have no idea where to begin and a master's program is not in the cards for you at this moment, you need to check out the Lux Network. You can go to theluxuniversity.com to find out more, but we have created the very first Catholic app for Catholic women that does just that. It brings you community of women in a private setting. It gives you all of the courses from Lux University, courses on the faith, courses on theology taught by experts in the field. We also bring to you live prayer, live weekly prayer at the Rosary and Divine Mercy Chaplet. And we have our chaplain, Father Michael O'Loughlin, who guides us every single week in a gospel reflection. There is so much of that and more inside the new Lux Network go ahead come and join us at theluxuniversity.com find out what it's all about you can choose between one of two plans and yes <laughs> i did name them after food you can choose the chips and salsa plan which is the prayer in the community or you can choose the whole enchilada that's actually the name of it and that is the prayer that is the devotionals that is the community and that is lux university which is really what most women truly do come for is that whole enchilada plan but come on in if you are looking for a place to connect with other catholic women and and really connect with them if you want a place where you can pray live with other catholic women in a private setting off of social media if you want to deepen your faith, learn more about it, have the answers uh, to the questions that you've been asking for a long time, then you, know, you need to check out Lux University inside that Lux app too. This is here for you. We are here for you. We truly believe that you are a light and yet you are a leader and we are happy to help you get there. Come join us inside Lux. With the coronavirus. God is smiting us. Let's um, just get at the heart. The question right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, first of all, I don't know. I'm just a dude. Has God talked to you about right? this? I'm recently? just a dude. So, um, have you had a conversation with the Lord? Yeah, we has He revealed to no. you? God's not speaking that to He's personally. smiting us. No. Um, 
Yeah, let's talk about prepping on the supernatural on the spiritual side. How yeah. can you prep? Yeah, so I, I think um, supernatural prep. To answer your question, is God smiting us? God loves us. So um, if there is a, if this is, if this can, so for those of us obviously who are Catholic, who have a, you know, practicing their faith and believe in God. Um, I get, I'm so used to talking about this stuff in, in, in the natural terms, both, you know, sort of at work and with friends and, uh, you know, here and there, um, all the things we read. But I think we don't get to talk about it from the spiritual side as much. And so it's neat. Um, I so, don't think, I don't so think God's what, smiting what do you think? us. No. No. You, I wouldn't put it that way. So. so how would you put it? Because um, I know some of your thoughts, Ricky. I know. So I want you to. I would I would say that in 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 jest, but just to lighten well, yeah, the situation. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. I'm not saying that you actually do think God's smiting us, but I'm just saying. But you do have some thoughts, and there are some things going around that I think are kind of interesting. I mean, do you do you think that this is at all connected? And we we will get later to like spiritually prepping, maybe. All right, but okay. do you think this is any any way connected to the Pachamama? idols because Um, there have been there have been talk um that it that some people wonder if it is connected yeah and and i would say the pachamama idol that was carried into one of the churches in rome and i would say that's all pure speculation um i will say this i mean when we look um is it possible yes but i mean how are we going to know we don't know right there's no there's no uh it's not like and here's here's the here's the other thing. Um, who is going to tell us that that's what's going on? <laughs> I completely right? agree. Like the, the Pope isn't going to tell us. The Pope's going to be like, you know what, you this guys, is a scourge from God because we had Pachamamas in the back. Like that's that's not going to happen. So we're not. So like, there's no there's no um, spiritual authority um, out there that's going to that's can definitively tell us. Okay, stuff. so I completely agree with you. Thank you for saying that because I think that is my biggest beef with all of these spiritual conspiracy theories of God smiting us because of Pachamama. Now listen, I don't agree with that whole situation whatsoever. That anyways, but to say these things is really easy to do because there we're never going to have the answer like at all. There's no definitive answer that's going to come from any of those things, just like you said. So I think that's important to keep in mind. But, yeah, I mean, unless there's a modern day prophet, you know, or or another, um, um, you know, if if Mary appears to someone and starts speaking to them, like sort of at Fatima or at, um, something, you know, an apparition right, of some sort. Right, which has happened in the past, obviously. Ab- absolutely. And that's not to say it can't happen now. But as of right now, there is no prophet. I think we're kind of, I don't think that's the point. I think right now, I'll say this, when you, when we look at, when we read through the Bible, right, the word of God, there's a lot of um, pestilence and it's usually God um, allowing plague and pestilence to, into the land in order to chastise his people. And it's usually, this is usually has to do with Israel or Egypt and, you know, there's, a, there's several examples, but right, yeah. uh, Egypt being the most famous, but um and Egypt, yeah, 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 and, there, and there's, there's, you know, there's been past popes who have said that certain plagues were, you know, from God, and, and there's, you know, I think was it Pope Gregory the Great who's the one who um, prayed against the one of the plagues in 
in Rome, the Eucharist, and I think it stopped. Right. Yeah. So it, you know, there's, there's, there's certainly precedent. Um, the problem is we don't, you know, we don't have anyone telling us definitively what that is, and that's and that's fine. I think we can ascertain ourselves. I think what's more important is to recognize what God's doing in our hearts, um, and understand that there's no question that He's calling us to pray and He's calling us to repentance on a Absolutely. personal level. At least that's what I'm experiencing. Yeah. Um, and so. I think God's speaking us to that way. And that's, and that's, you know, people are like, oh, well, that's just because there's a plague rolling around. It's like, well, yeah, but God uses circumstances in our lives to, to speak to us, whether it's a plague or whether it's someone that dies in our family from a heart attack or whether it's, um, you know, cancer or whether there's it's a million that, things in our life outside of this. That we should that, be hitting the pause button. And yeah, it happens. That. This yeah. is not like that feeling is not uncommon. What's uncommon is that. Col- the whole collective humanity is experiencing this all at one time, this fear and this plague and, and all of this all at one time. So that's what's interesting. Um, what's also interesting is that we are, you know, we're living in a, in a culture right now that is absolutely diametrically opposed to God, um, mm-hmm. to a Catholic God. And, so we could, we could, yeah, you could say this, it is possible. This is sort of a scourge from God. Yes, that is possible. But can we definitively say that? No, I don't know. I'm not a Pope. I'm not a Cardinal. I'm not a Bishop. If my Bishop said it was, I'm not then sure how much that's thing. saying anything. Well, I'm just anymore. saying like, it's, yeah, it's not saying much <laughs> these days. I know. It, Jeez. But it's, um. Lord have mercy on us. I think. Yeah. So I mean, what I I guess the way that I've been looking at this in the only way I know how, because I like I think what you're trying to get at is that we don't have some special knowledge here we or don't. anything like that. We and don't. that goes for everybody. Right? right. I don't think anyone can say that. Right. But so, go ahead. But but I was just gonna say that like but this this time in our life when this is going on, this pandemic, this global virus that's uh, obviously hitting the world, this is not unknown to God the Father. God the Father's not surprised by what's happening. No, he's he's allowing it. Right. Yeah. I but I mean, but like just for us to kind of place ourselves into wherever God is calling us at this moment to repentance for sure. Everything is a call into um, asking and receiving the mercy of Christ and diving deeper into our relationship with him in the sacred heart. I just, there's, like you said, I think that there's something pretty basic that we need to recognize about what we're doing with our relationship with the Lord. Cause he's definitely calling us into relationship with him always and we have quite an opportunity to actually respond at this point and to really take it take an honest account of what that relationship has been like prior to almost on our knees begging god that we don't get the coronavirus you know i mean what does that look like and i, I mean i i keep like for the past couple of days i keep going back to this one thought of like how will this change me after it passes 
like it's definitely changing things now in our life. It's changing the economy. It's changing, obviously, our jobs or maybe the the lack of income you're bringing in. Um, it's changing your availability to go out and do all the things and see all the people and all the freedoms we have. But when it does pass, and it will, it will pass. Will we just go back to the way we were before? Will anything change? What will I allow to change in me because of this? And I keep asking myself over the past couple of days, I'm like, what am I going to do that's going to say after, like when the coronavirus hit the world, from that point on, I changed these things? Or like, how is my relationship going to be different with, with, with Jesus? That's what I keep coming back to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I think um, you can only look at what's changing now. And then obviously what sticks a year from now is what would be the difference, would be the change. But um, I would say the last few years have been interesting. You know, we didn't get a chance to talk about the church scandal. I know we were supposed to. And it's sort of the – I'm feeling sort of the same – sort of um pull to draw into my interior life. So when the church scandal hit mm. it's uh, it's so disturbing. You're so morally and spiritually disturbed by the church. Like I was so angry. Angry and so just absolutely mortified betrayed reading about what Mm -hmm. what some of these priests and some of these bishops have allowed and Mm. um the depth at which the the depth and this and the and the sort of um you know to see how common how not uncommon this is across many many dioceses around the world yeah it's not rare it it seems to be you know it's not rare it seems to be even a bit of a network in some cases. So um it's and not just child abuse, not just pedophilia, but um unchaste living uh homosexuality by homosexual priests. Absolutely. Um and then on top of that, unchaste living by some heterosexual priests in Absolutely. some of the cases, but the vast majority seem to be um, um a lot of grooming with some of these seminarians and young and young 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 men um in the seminary and young men uh that some of these priests are serving in their parishes so it's just disgusting um that whole situation that whole uh, manifestation of evil that was brought to light in the church um i know you and i we 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 obviously um we reacted to it um in a lot of different ways and it i it changed my prayer life it had me initially being angry with the church, initially being angry with the priests. Um, but then eventually I got to a point where I was like, man, what about me? Like God's like God's bringing this to light, but what about me? Not that I'm doing any of this stuff, but like what about my own spiritual life and my own sin? Um, right. And, Do we? That's a, that's a great point. Do we hate our, our sin as much as we hate the exactly, sin in others? Exactly. I kept getting angry at all this stuff. And then I just started realizing, like, man, like I'm a sinner. And what about me? And so I started examining mm. my life closer. That's good, Ricky. Um, and so that's sort of been where I've been for the last year and a half, two years now, I guess it's been. And uh, obviously that's brought us to some 
interesting crossroads with the liturgy and mass and all these other things, which we can get into another time. But um, right now, we so we go from a spiritual crisis in the church to a to a natural crisis in the world, and again, it's bringing me back to my own sin, you know, my own recognition that it's taking this step further. It's um, bringing me to the last things, death, um, heaven, hell, um, judgment, you know, because you're thinking about when you think about in terms of natural and the pandemic, you're th- I mean, you see all these people that are um, dying in Italy, for example. And so it obviously makes you think about your own mortality yeah. And when it comes here and, and, you know, while we're not in that age group that's highly vulnerable, um, it still makes you think about it. Well, yeah. You know? I so mean, it's it's one of those things where. And regardless, we're going to we're going to die coronavirus or natural causes or a right. heart attack or a car accident. Like you're like you're going to die. I'm going to die. Right. So I think that there is a lot of anxiety around. Oh, my gosh. I could die really soon though because of this pandemic, you know, that's not, I mean, that's a possibility now, obviously. Very, um, very low possibility, but yes. Right. But it is, but, but people are clearly dying all around. Yeah. The world. I mean, there's I a mean, lot, like, there's I mean, a lot the, of people. There's dying. a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of changes in our lives happening right now. And the um, morgues are full in New York right now. The hospitals are full in New York right now as we speak. They're I getting mean, there. Yeah. So it's just, it, it, the numbers are climbing. Um, and for us to think, which is what we all want to, right? This, it's this Superman complex uh, that I studied back in like Psych 101 in college. We all think that we're above it, right? It's not going to happen to us. And um, until yeah, it does. Yeah, that's the default. We're always, we, we default to denial. It's hard to think about stuff like that. That's not easy. It's hard. This is why... You know, you just going back to prepping, like no one wants to think about that stuff. That's hard to think about. It's rather um, uh, dark in some cases when you start thinking about what do I need to prepare for for the worst case scenario. That's a, you know, and, and I think with my army buddies, you know, we're so used to preparing for contingencies for worst case scenarios um, that it doesn't bother us. It's actually kind of, you know. It's I almost say it's enjoyable. I was going to um, say it's almost entertaining for you guys yeah, sometimes. Fun. And, you know, so like, <laughs> you know, it's it's um, but for most people, no one wants, to, you know, for most people, it's it's rather unsettling. And so especially when you've got something in your face making you think about it. And what's happening right now is this pandemic is forcing people to face um, their mortality. Or it's forcing people to face the mortality of their family at the very minimum. Um, or some people are just aren't facing it yet. They're still in denial. That's fine too. But right. well, it's, it's not forcing fine, people but... to think about it. Yeah. And and that's hard and it's unsettling. It can be for a lot of people. Um, it's certainly... How can we, I mean, how can we though, as Catholics, how can we as Christians who believe in Jesus Christ and we believe that he died for us and he died for our sins and we know and we believe that he rose from the dead, he defeated death. I mean, um, 
praise God that there's a vaccine that's that they're working on right now for the coronavirus, but Christ is the vaccine, so to speak. Like he is the healer of all. He is the divine physician. He conquered death. So even if we and when when we are taken by death from this world, um, we rise again in Christ, God willing, right? So how can we though? How can we prepare? How like what are what are what are the things that we really need to be doing to instill not fear, but a deep sense of hope, hope, like the, yeah. like the supernatural well, virtue think, hope. I think prepping on the natural, from the natural perspective is a good illustration for prepping for the spiritual side, because the reason why people prepare for disasters is so that they can be free when it comes, because if you're prepared you can be home and you can have freedom and you can have peace. You don't have to think about what to do right. next. You've already done it. You've already prepared. So now you just need to either rest or work in the situation. But you're at peace because you done. You have done what you were supposed to do. You were wise and you have done what you, you were supposed to do. Now, for those that are out there that feel like I am so far behind on prepping on the natural, yeah. 90% of people are, that's fine. But guess what? When it comes to the supernatural, when it comes to God's grace, when it comes to God's grace right now, you can prepare spiritually right now and you are not behind. You are good. You can be good. And the beauty of it is just like preppers, they have that freedom, they have that peace. Um, what we do now in our spiritual lives in this pandemic, in light of this pandemic, is going to prepare us so that we might be free despite all of this turmoil, so that we might be able to rest and even to work in spite of all this turmoil. When I say work, work for the kingdom, work for God, work for those around you, for your community. You'll have the freedom to do that because you are spiritually prepared, because you've stored up all the beautiful treasures of heaven. You have taken advantage of all the graces of the sacraments, and or at least the ones you have access to. And then you've prepared your heart interiorly so that if that day did come, you are ready. And it will come. Right. And it will come, whether it comes from this pandemic or whether it comes 20 years from now when you've lived through the pandemic. Um, but what's neat for Christians and what's neat for Catholics especially is this is going to be a tremendous opportunity for some of us to be saints, and I think ultimately God is calling us to repentance and he's calling us to him to draw closer to him in our interior lives so that our exterior lives can witness to his love, his mercy, and to the gospel message he has for all the people out there that are without hope right now. So for us as Christians, we don't have an excuse. We have to prep, spiritually speaking, so that we might be free, so that we might have peace, so that we might be go that we might go out into the world and be light to the to everyone around us that are in turmoil. And Catholics, there's a lot of Catholics in the medical profession. There's a lot of Catholics in the fire service. There's a lot of Catholics in the police service. There's a lot of Catholic mamas at home. 
There's a lot of Catholic politicians. There's, there's a lot of Catholics in America right now. And for those of you that are listening that are faithful Catholics, this is the opportunity for you to really draw near to God, and he may very well call you to be a saint. And for the priests out there... It calls everybody to be a saint. Yeah, but let, look, for the priests, right now we're in a situation where priests can't share Mass with the people. So God's doing something particularly important for priests right now. Mm. And we're also, priests are probably, I'm sure priests are thinking about this as they're doing Mass daily on their own. They're live streaming Mass. It's beautiful. Um, priests are going to have to give last rites to people here soon. And it'll be, and, and so there's opportunity for priests right now who are preparing themselves interiorly to go do the work exteriorly that God's calling them to do. And they cannot do that work in the world until they have prepped spiritually, until they've prepared their hearts, their minds, and their souls for heaven so that when they go out into the world courageously, administer last rites to the dying and the poor and the sick um, and prayers for those that are dying and prayers for those who are sick, they can do so in complete freedom and in complete peace, knowing that they are ready should God call them to heaven. Mm. So there are going to be some priests who will not do that, I suspect. Um, there are going to be some that are scared. There are going to be some of those priests that are part of this church scandal that are not prepared. It's going to be an opportunity for them to repent. Um, and there's going to be others that are going to be prepared, and they're going to go out there, and they're going to be martyrs, mm-hmm. um, and they're going to be saints in heaven. And we may never hear about them, um, but this is what God's calling us to. And for lay people... Some of these healthcare workers, they're going to be they're going to be saints. Yeah. This is an opportunity for sainthood, and like that's an extreme. Like maybe some people listening might say, "Well, that's pretty extreme, Rick." Well, yes, it is. So, and if 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 that's too extreme for some of the listeners out there, I mean, I would say, then start with don't go that don't go that far. Start with what God's calling you. At this moment, interiorly speaking. But there are some, but but I mean... Which is simply prayer and repentance at this point. We're all alone. We're all locked up in our houses and, you know, yeah, we I should mean, be prepping. I guess to your point, though, that about the extreme piece, I mean, I don't think that that's an extreme way to view it at all. Especially if you are trying to, if you're trying to live a faithful, holy life. You know that you have a call of holiness on you, given to you um, through the sacrament of baptism. And the reality is the situation at hand in the the United States now is that especially for those certain uh, professions, Right, the healthcare professions, health, all healthcare personnel, and even like, and and then the the priest, they're going to be called into very heroic work at right this now, point. Yeah. They're being called to war. Yeah, in a sense. So that's not extreme. I mean, like that's a given. Like that's happening, and you can take that opportunity and allow Christ to allow to form you and mold you into the saint that He's calling you to, and you can accept it into the way that He's calling you, or. Or we don't have to accept that. I think that's an interesting thing too. Is like like you were saying, like there there's going to be some priests, like you said, that um, 
will just refuse. I don't know what they're going to well, refuse. Well, I don't know if they'll refuse. They, they, they may cower. They may cower, just like, yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm thinking about this. And maybe, and, and, so, maybe, and I hope I'm wrong, but let's look. We're all, these priests are men. And um, when men go to war, they're going to spiritual warfare. Okay, and they're they, there's some of these men. Some of them already have in, in in Italy. Some of these priests have already gone to spiritual warfare, have trusted in the Lord, have done have run their race, and have succumbed to the to this to this calamity. And there's probably some that are holed up in their rectory and afraid to go out. I would assume that's just human nature. And I'm not saying that they're bad people. I think they're um cowardice happens it happens in war um and it happens in life and it happens in spiritual warfare and for all of us it's for not just us. one group by it, any means it's not just one group but i i would say that men in particular are called to acts of courage and we are called to lay down our lives for others that in men in particular and um priests especially so, for the priests that are listening, prepare yourselves for war because it's coming. And you know that. You guys that are listening, if you're listening, you you know this. You you guys are you guys are the cream of the crop, man. You're the you're the should be. You're the cream of the crop of our society. Should be. You are the special forces of the spiritual world, right? So, in the army, we're the tip of the spear and um special forces, guys. Green berets. We're we're the tip of the spear. When it comes to the church, lay people are just lay people, and the priests are the tip of the spear. And so, you priests out there, you're about to be called to go do what you know an ODA would do in war. You're going to be called to go into the front lines, behind the lines, for that matter, and do what you do best, which is war. And right now, you're going into spiritual warfare, and um, you need to be ready. And I hope that all of you are preparing with your daily masses, with um, confession, and then you and God is preparing your heart to go do what you need to do, which is minister the last rites to the sick. And then for us lay people, um, especially the healthcare workers, we should be doing the same thing. We need to prepare our hearts. Um, well, and we also need to be, as lay people, praying for our priests who are going absolutely. into that. Like, we can support... We can support the healthcare personnel. We can support our priests who are going into battle, as you said, by praying for them, by offering praying up for what, courage, especially. Yeah, offering up whatever we have in our day uh, for you and praying for you. We we know that you're praying for us. We know that you're offering your masses that you're saying by yourselves right now for us. And so, all we can do is to give it right back to you. All we can do is continue to pray that God gives you the courage that you need to reach out and and help souls um, move from this life to the next. Yeah. Yeah, and there's and let me just say, there's a lot of priests doing good things right now. There's some out doing drive-through confessions. There are. There's some there are doing, so many. There's it's, some flying over, flying the Eucharist over counties and countries and states. There's some processing the Eucharist in the streets. I love it. Yeah. That is, that is the kind of stuff that priests are supposed to be doing and we need to see more of it. We do need to see more of it. And and what I mean, it, whatever we can do to motivate and encourage you as a priest right now, I mean, just tell me, what do you need from 
what, what do you need from me? You need a motivational talk? I will I will get on FaceTime and chat with you. I don't even know if that would even help. I'm sure it wouldn't, but I would um, because we need you. We need these bold acts from our priests to actually do something, do something. Um, and, and there are, you're right, Ricky, there are so many good priests out there. There are so many. It's, it's hard when you look at the, the hurt in our church from priests, from bishops, um, from cardinals. And by no means are we saying that, 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 that those bad acts, um, are everyone, because like no, you they're said, not. there it's are, a, it's a there small are percentage. so many. There's so many it's good priests. It's a very priests. small percentage. You know, if you look at the stats from all the reports, the, the problem is that the intensity of evil in some of these reports is so terrible and so disturbing that um, it doesn't, it just overshadows the the, the numbers. And, uh, and you can't, like, even if it's just a, even if it's just a few numbers, Quantitatively, yeah, it's a small percentage, but qualitatively, it's—I mean, it's massive problem. It's incredible. Massive. Uh, it's an incredible. It's an incredible problem and an incredible um, discouragement to to people in the church and to people that aren't even Christians and aren't Catholics. I mean, it's it, we're, we're the laughing stock. I mean, I feel like the laughing stock of Christians um, and the laughing stock of, of humanity in some cases when you're around certain populations of people. I mean. When you're not around other Catholics, I mean, people look at you like you're. Like, you know, why? Like, why, you, would why would you ever? You, why would you be a Catholic? Why? Yeah. You know, like, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten asked that, <laughs> yeah. or made fun of, or right. just ridiculed, and it's it's sad, and it, it it's and it's to be expected. Like, if I if if I could put myself in their shoes and look at from you know as an outsider looking in, um, and you know, and I used to be a non-Catholic, I was a. You know, You're a convert. I wasn't, yeah. I'm a convert. So I can look at this and say, yeah, I can see that. I see why you think that makes sense. Right. So, and With that's the enemy. It, yeah. That's the enemy tearing the church down. And it's also bad people tearing the church down. And now we're in a situation where we have a pandemic. Is it related? I don't know. I mean, but there are, I things- can't say definitively, but man, it's highly suspect. It's highly suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> You love conspiracy theories, so yeah. I know that you enjoy. Yeah. This is the ultimate cosmic th- conspiracy theory, right here. Is is this, you know, is this pandemic a conspiracy of the enemy uh, being allowed by God as a scourge well, upon this, our people? This wouldn't be the first time that something like a plague or you know an illness goes through, right, and wipes out people, right. Um. So this is not like it's never happened before. Right. And I want to say this, like, if you do believe that, if that's something that you're like, if you're sitting back there and you're saying, this is 100% a scourge, I understand what you're saying. And I'm I'm partially with you. Just understand that the reason that it's a scourge is not the church scandal alone. It's not the Pachamama thing alone. It's not just the priest alone. It's you. No. It's yeah. us. Yeah. If, if it is a scourge, it's not because the, it's not because you don't like the Pope or it's not because the Pope's doing X, Y, Z. It's not because... Cardinal McCarrick is a notorious pedophile and philanderer and just a nasty human being. Um, we're not. It's because of the whole of humanity. And if, that if it is, it, it includes me and you. It's because of our sin. If if yeah. that is happening, if God is scourging us, and this is you know, then it's because of my sin. 
Uh, it's because our whole world doesn't even recognize that word sin. Um, if, yeah. if there's no sin, then there's no morals. There's no objective right and wrong. There's no morals. And if there's no morals, then, you know, we're, we're living. There's no truth. There's no truth. And you're, you're basically living an idolatrous life. And it's, it's, um, well, Ricky, so that, you, sorry, don't and that's look, our culture. Let me interrupt you. You, you've said this so many times talking about the immorality in which our, our culture exists in is you said it's the air that we breathe. Yeah. So like we, I would sometimes say this, we don't like, even think, realize how. Yes. So, so piggybacking on what we're talking about here. Yeah. I mean, for, for those of us who think that, Oh, we're good. Like I'm good. I don't, you know, it's, it's clearly because the church scandal It's clearly because we have bad priests. It's clearly because the Pope, this or whatever. Um, especially if you're an American, Okay. We're so used to living in a culture of decadence, greed, murder, abortion, sex, um, pornography, like addictions, yeah. Addiction. We're so accustomed to that that we don't even know how filthy we are. And when I say how filthy we are, we're living in the muck. It's like it's the it's as if the air is polluted. But you don't know it's polluted because you're just breathing it in and you don't notice it until you went to, say, New Zealand and you're breathing their air and you realize, oh, wow, my air back home is terrible. Right. Or you go to um, you go out in the jungle and it's everything's beautiful and lush and green and you don't realize how dirty your home is. Right. Because you've been, because this is where you live. And so we grew up. We've grown up in a culture um, of pure hedonism. And we dare say that, you know, we're somehow exempt from that sin. Mm-hmm. We don't even like we're living in because we're because it's the air we breathe. We are so susceptible to not even seeing the own sin, our own sin in our lives, especially and like, it's easy to look at sins like sexual sin or, um, greed or mm-hmm. all the you know the the more obvious things things you can see right but the things you can't there. see pride mm-hmm. envy gossip gossip greed like these mm. these are the things that you just you they're they're just harder to see especially pride especially envy especially sloth you know anger um, anger these things are far more. Um, invasive and they're just far more easily missed in our lives and so we're walking around breathing this air this culture of death this culture of sin and we and so we have the audacity to say oh well the church scandals this is clearly what's going on no we live in an age of pure hedonism and for the most part we don't even realize it yeah you know I mean, our co- like it's not something. So, it, I mean, I in using this time as as a blessing, which might be hard sometimes to wrap our, our head around, given the fact that many of us are in um, a shelter in place um, state. That's where we are right now in Missouri. Um, I know a lot of the states are are doing that right now as well, but we have this opportunity to maybe do some of those things that we were talking about earlier in the podcast where 
to spiritually prepare. Yeah. And to maybe take take an account, get some deep, you know, self-awareness about the world we live in, the sin around us, our own sin, and take a look at that and figure out what we want to do and how we're going to change and how we need, how we can dive deeper into God's mercy and relationship with him. Um we can talk a lot about him, but it'll it'll always come down to, you know, but but do you know him? Like do you know him? Do you do you let him know you? Do you really give in and surrender into the the love of God the Father? And so I think if anything, this pandemic is offering us the opportunity of time to ask those hard questions and to spiritually prepare when we haven't before. I mean, like, would any of us sit, like, spend the time to spiritually prepare for our lives for the end of our life if it wasn't for the coronavirus? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's what I think that's what's happening right now. People are really examining their lives. They're examining a lot of things, or they're they're trying to avoid it. They're doing one of two things. They're they're understanding what's happening, especially a Catholic. If you're a Catholic and you're you're in this situation, you can read the signs of the times. You can understand what's going on, and you can see and 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 the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. I'm sure He is speaking to your heart right now, and it's an opportunity for growth. Um, or you're sitting back and you're trying to find creative ways to be distracted by during this crisis. So, um, yeah. and, and, you know, and temperamentally, some people may just like, there's a lot of sanguines out there. I mean, sanguines are naturally going to try to find ways to get distracted. Right. And <laughs> the melancholics out there are going to, you know, on the verge of depression thinking about this stuff. So, um, that's okay too, but we got it. We've got to, First and foremost, I think the first thing if you want to talk about like actual action items we can do for your spiritual prepping, um, I think first and foremost, you got to sit down and just pray in silence and think. Think and pray. Find a prayer corner in your house. Make one if you don't have one. Make one or just get up early. If you haven't done this yet, get up early tomorrow morning, like 5 a.m., and just spend some time with God. You don't have to do anything except pray. Maybe bring a rosary and just think. Light just, a candle. Just think. Yeah. Um, or just sit quietly and let God speak to you. Um, I think that's the first thing we have to do. We have to reflect. We have to reflect on our lives and allow God to speak to our hearts and reflect interiorly on what's going on. Think about all the circumstances, how you felt, what you've been thinking of, and then let God speak into that. I think number two... You got to go to confession. Got to go to confession. Yeah. Hopefully it's available. Um, it, it should be. I mean, the only thing they've stopped is mass and there's drive through confessionals going on as well. But um, I think we I think we've got to go to confession. And once you've done that, now you're in a place where you've assessed the situation. You've gone to confession, gotten right with God. Right. And now you can go back and um, start doing think some about, heavy yeah, lifting. Start doing some interior heavy lifting and then start thinking about what your particular you know occupation is, your vocation. If you're a priest, you can start 
you know, assessing what it is God's calling you to do. And then your first responsibility will be to your family. What do you need to do for your family? Prepping them spiritually. So for us, I know, for example, it's like we are reading, um, we've been doing a daily rosary for a while. Um, we've also added to our rosary the prayer in times of epidemics along with the Stella Celli. And we're, we're doing that with our kids. Right. We're talking to them about the virus, talking to them about <laughs> these things. And it's, it's kind of hilarious, but they need to understand because they're not seeing their grandparents and they, and they need to understand why they're not seeing their grandparents. Right. right yeah. The virus. So you can't just lie to them. They scream the virus. Yeah. The virus. It's interesting. They're probably going to have some interesting memories when they grow up. Um, <laughs> I think for me personally, I, I mean, I have been working on a prayer corner for a couple of weeks. I think it's kind of accelerated in the last two weeks in my basement, in my little man cave, and it should be done hopefully by the next Yeah, you got a great week. crucifix for- I did. So the Catholic woodworker, Catholic. I don't know if you guys know about him. The Catholic woodworker, he's on Instagram. He's got great stuff. We have so many rosaries from him, and now we have two yeah. crucifixes, and they are They're amazing. Phenomenal. So I, I, I found his, I can't remember when I found his rosaries, but his ros- I love his rosaries, and then- you got yeah. You got really sorry, real quick. You got really hooked on his rosaries. Ricky would would just be up all night in bed, like putting together the rosaries so that he could order. You can like, you can um, you can customize customize it. it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, he got really into this, and all these rosaries kept coming in the mail, and I'm like, what is going on? But. They're really great. They're great rosaries. They are. They actually are really great rosaries. They're just the perfect size. Sturdy. They're I love sturdy. how you can move the beads. Like there's like you, you need the right amount of space between each Hail Mary bead for so like your thumb can like get in there and hold that spot. And I just it's perfect. Yeah. It is. It's, it's perfect. A, it's a great rosary. I lo- the quality is impeccable. And they're handmade right here in the United States. They're they're fantastic. And so I also got a crucifix from him. Yes. So Prayer corner is what you were saying, right? Right. I'm building a I'm building a, a a prayer corner that I can go to in the morning. It's in the basement. Mine's in the basement, um, in like the unfinished portion of the basement. So I'm going to try to go there in the morning, and then try to go there in the evening, and pray these prayers. If I'm not praying with my wife, um, the family prayers, and then go down there and pray my own prayers, and and to think. So that's what I've been doing, and then well, of course we've got um. Another thing that's another neat thing that's coming up is What's the that? consecration of Saint Joseph has been going around that book by Father Don Calloway. I'm going to do it I'm, on March 30th. I'm going to do the consecration of Saint Joseph. Um, it will end June, on June, May 1st. May 1st, correct. And that's, that's right. the feast of Saint Joseph the Worker. And I was going to try to do it for the feast of Saint Joseph, which just passed this last week, my son's birthday. But I've been really drawn to the feast to um, excuse me, Saint Joseph the Worker. Okay. And why do you think that is? I don't know. I'm kind of a blue collar guy, and I just you just, just you just like it. I just like him. I just prefer the the working man Joseph <laughs> versus the old man Joseph. I like old man Joseph too, but I like the well. Working he's man old Joseph. in both, but yeah, yeah, okay. But when you see the icon of Saint, Saint right, Joseph the worker, the he's, he's he's younger. He's got his hammer and his square, and you know. And then when you see the old one, he's got Jesus and gray haired and. I love both of those images, but particularly I love St. Joseph the Worker. And um, yeah, so I, I, I opted to wait for that. And I think it's timely. Now that this, all this stuff's happened, it's I don't think this is could be at a better time. So I'll be going through the consecration from March 30th to May 1st at the height of 
what should be the height and hopefully the decline of this pandemic. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, we can only pray, which is what by the end we of the do. by the end of the consecration will be in decline. Let's hope. Did you have another thing you're going to add to the list? I'm I'm trying to think of things to prep. Um, there's hope. I want to say that. Well, so I, all of this to say that there is hope. Yeah, I, and and the thing is, go ahead. Well, because the pandemic has to end, it will end. Yeah, there will one. be an end. And number two, um, because of all the beautiful spiritual opportunities and gifts that God's going to give us through this, despite all the hardship, and because of the hardship, I should say because of this hardship, um, not only are we fasting, we're spiritually fasting from the Eucharist as well. Through this time of being sort of in the desert, and I don't think it's a coincidence this is happening during Lent, uh, we're going to come out of this with a lot of hope, and we're going to come out of this forever changed. Definitely. It's going to be the strangest. Right now in St. Louis, the Archdiocese of St. Louis has suspended all public masses, and that is through Holy Week. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be the strangest Holy Thursday. No, it's never happened. I mean, I can't think of a situation in the whole of church history where Easter wasn't celebrated throughout the entire world. Right. Yep. It's never happened before. It's just going to be a very strange um, tritium to do that on our own and at home and without the Mass. Without the Mass. Um, I can only hope and pray that this brings back a fervor for every Catholic, even if you were one of those Catholics that they polled who, for whatever reason, doesn't believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, that this turns your heart back to the sacred heart and turns your heart back to Jesus in the Eucharist um, so that we can come back to our faith uh, with, with, with a deeper, a deeper faith than ever before and more hope uh, than ever before in Christ. That's what I hope. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, this is it's kind of like it's just it's not sad, it's just somber. It's just a different we're in a different place like the our world right now. It's just Yeah, it's very it's very um poignant. Yeah. Yeah, I don't it's, think we it's can It's a sad moment. It is sad. I don't think we can try to spin it like, "Okay, guys, well, that was good." Let's, no, there's no uh you just, I mean, ultimately, I I'll say this. I mean, for the guys for the guys out there, I don't know if there's any. Do guys listen to your podcast? I have no idea. Yeah, Ricky. You guys, listen to this. They do. Um, for the guys out there, you were made for such a time as this. This is what these are the kinds of things that um, should really well up inside of you. Courage, the desire to at least be courageous, desire to actually be brave. So this is an opportunity for us out there. So take advantage of it. Deepen your spiritual life. Figure out what God's calling you to do and whatever sphere of influence that you're in, God's going to show you what he's asking from you. So, um, amen. Yeah. Amen. That's courageous. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're not going to be shocked that I'm going to say relatively the same thing for women, but, um, in our own way, like, I think that this is such a time for us to pay attention to, um, those, relationships we have with other people in our life 
and ultimately the one relationship and the only relationship that matters, which is within ourselves in Christ. And we are just wired that way to be paying attention to those things more um, intensely or intimately as well. And so to pay attention to that, don't, um, don't fill the void. Like let the void be present and the only thing that should really be feeling it, honestly, is Christ himself. You don't need to fill it with another Netflix binge or um, another glass of wine or another, you know, random Zoom call just to pass the time because you want to fill every ounce of empty space now. Um, but sit in the uncomfortable space that this time is allowing and, and allow Christ to work in your heart and to do the things to do the things that you always wish you could have done in your in your prayer, prayer life. Well, now's the time to do them. All right. Well, this is our special coronavirus episode <laughs> that we have here for you. Ricky, thanks for coming on with me again. Of course. Anytime. <laughs> I'm serious. I really do mean it. Thank you. You're welcome. I know Ricky's getting ready to leave for shift um, uh, tomorrow. Uh, this podcast won't be out tomorrow. We have to get it edited. But um, by the time you hear this, uh, he might be just coming off a shift and coming home. So you could just say a prayer for Ricky that God keeps him safe and all of the healthcare professions out there. Yeah. Pray for healthcare professionals. Pray for your firefighters. Pray for your paramedics. Pray for your police. Please. Please do. We need it. Please, please, please do. Um, yeah. Just please pray for all of them that God just takes care of them and, and keeps them very safe. All right. Um, and remember, as I always will leave the podcast, I do sincerely mean this, even though you might not be going out and seeing all the people that you used to see. Um, but whatever you do today, uh, make sure you do something beautiful for God. And keep in mind, that could just be spending time with him. That is a beautiful thing that God deeply desires is really just you you uniting yourself to him so whatever you do do something beautiful for god and uh, god love you god bless and we'll talk to you later